0: You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production.
1: Hey, it's Jordan. Before we serve up this week's episode of In This Economy, I wanted to remind you, you can get these episodes two days early, every Thursday, by subscribing or following In This Economy in its own podcast feed, wherever you get podcasts. Plus, you will get some bonus episodes as we go, including one that's there already, if you want to check it out, that features myself and producer Steph Phillips chatting about why the heck we did this thing in the first place. For now, of course, you'll find every episode here on Saturdays. But if you want it early and you like the show, we hope you'll find us over there and give us a follow.
0: Enjoy the show. You hear a lot more about people who, like try to be a starving artist and then give up on that and like go work in finance or something. There are not as many stories that you hear in your life of people who are like, oh, I have like a totally comfy, cushy, white collar job that I would like to throw in the trash and (laughs) do something way more unstable. That's
1: Sam. She's a 29-year-old based in Oshawa. And she spent the past decade
0: building a great career as a computer programmer. My current title is senior software engineer and I get paid about 150,000 Canadian a year before bonuses. But before, she was writing code, Sam wrote music. I've always just like had music as a part of like my life and what I do to like hang out and unwind or whatever. I was in a band in high school and then for like 6 years afterwards. I was playing bass and playing shows, and we were, like, occasionally trying to record songs and never finishing them. And I think it's really just been these last few years when I kind of got more of an interest in production and less of an interest in performance that, like, really has made it a thing where I could think about doing as my job. At the same time as Sam's passion for music is
1: deepening, her interest in computer programming is waning. What once felt like a really exciting job where she was constantly learning new skills and solving interesting problems, now feels draining, predictable, and like work. So, she's looking to make a big move out of programming, into music production.
0: You know, I'm sitting down at my laptop all day working. And then at night, I'm like sitting down at my, at my different laptop, uh, making music. I don't, Really do a ton of paid work right now. I've been really focusing on trying to build like a YouTube channel. I've done a few like tutoring sessions for people who like found me through my social presence um, and trying to collaborate with other artists and just really build like a production profile.
1: Sam is ready for the artist's life, but she's not sure how to prepare for the artist's paycheck.
0: When I think about leaving software, I think the main feeling that comes up is, like, financial terror. Because I still don't know how to turn this music thing into, like, a replacement for, like, a cushy white-collar job. How can I manage just the plain fact that I will be making less money? Like, that is very scary to think about.
1: Sam wants to know, can you really quit your job and chase your dream In this economy? And if you're going to do it, how do you manage such a massive transition and such a massive pay cut? I'm Jordan heath Rawlings, and you're listening to In This Economy, a show that helps you understand the systems behind our money problems. Everything from grocery bills and mortgage renewals and sudden changes of career. Every episode, I'll talk to a person facing a financial challenge like Sam, and then an expert who knows that area of the economy intimately and can explain the factors behind the money and offer, if not perfect solutions, then options. Things you can do, even in this economy. A lot of us grew up being told one of two things. Go to school, work hard, get a good-paying job, or follow your dreams. And if it was the latter, it was usually followed up with the caveat that we should probably have a backup, just in case things didn't work out in Hollywood or we didn't make it in the NHL. Fact is, most of us end up in practical fields. Hopefully, ones that guarantee a stable salary, health coverage, vacation days, maybe even a pension if you're lucky. But there are a growing number of Canadians who find themselves in Sam's position, ready to make a move into something they are a little more passionate about. As I believe the kids say, monetize their side hustle. You can find it anywhere online.
0: Finally, I quit my job to follow my passion full time.
1: It's about leveraging technology for fulfilling work, empty schedules, and most
0: importantly, freedom. Side hustles can be a great way to make money.
2: So why Kenya? If you followed this channel until now, you probably know my criteria for working remote.
1: Just follow your dreams. That's what they say, right? Even if your parents never encouraged you to follow your dreams, the internet will. Maybe even a little too much.
2: Especially if you, like, look on social media and there's this whole, you know, movement of the 9 to 5. You, you can be able to travel work wherever you want, have so much more free time. You can work on the beach with your laptop. I've tried. You can't do that. The sun's glare will make it impossible for you to see that screen. And also, who wants to work on the beach? Don't you want to be enjoying the beach like you're on vacation?
1: Jessica Morehouse is the founder of More Money Media Incorporated. She hosts the More Money podcast. She's one of Canada's leading financial educators... And money experts. But before she was any of those things, she was on a different career path.
2: Yeah. So it's almost seven years ago, I left my very stable job in uh, corporate law marketing. Very exciting. Um, I was there for almost three years. And prior to that, I had a career that was more in sales and marketing, um, kind of on the media side. And for for the time that I was at this firm, there was a lot of stability. There was, you know, a group RRSP. There is a great benefits there was a lot of good things that it provided, but, you know, after being there for a few years and I'm an ambitious person and I was already doing kind of my stuff on the side, I had, you know, my blog that turned into then a podcast. I started doing speaking and interviews as a money expert, and I was just doing that on the side of my little side hustle. I never thought that it would turn into anything permanent or full-time, but it came to kind of a head at my job where I, you know, wanted to grow and they promised, oh yeah, there's lots of growth opportunities. And so after two years, I kind of gave a pitch to my boss saying, this is the role I'd like. I'm already doing a lot of this stuff. You know, my role is very different than the one that was hired. So I'd like, you know, a, a title a difference and a raise, and I think that'd be appropriate. And they just kind of, you know, dangled this carrot in front of me saying, oh, yeah, it's coming. It's coming. But ultimately, I waited eight months and nothing happened. And I'd already started kind of this new role that I proposed. So I was doing more work for the exact same amount of pay. And at that point, I'd already started to kind of interview for other jobs at different firms. And then I realized, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> like, what do I see my my, you know, trajectory working in legal marketing for the rest of my life? I just kind of fell into this job in the first place. And so I decided instead of just hopping to another firm and trying to get that title and and raise I I wanted, maybe I should turn my side hustle into my full-time gig. Because it's something that at that point I think I'd been doing on the side for five or six years. And, you know, I spent my nights and weekends doing it. I was super passionate and excited about it. I'd also turned 30 and I think a, a little bit of a quarter life crisis and mm-hmm. really wanted to, to make a, a big life change. And so I handed in my notice and that was that.
1: You mentioned all the great things about working a stable job. When you're balancing that against, against what you're looking at when you go into business for yourself, what made you confident that you could do it and what freaked you out?
2: One thing that helped was my husband had already been self-employed for pretty much the entire time that we were together. So at that point, gosh, I don't know. We've been together 15 years now, so minus seven, eight years or something, He's he'd been self-employed. And so I knew the ups and downs, but I also knew how much he loved what he did, and he actually works in the music industry. And I knew it was possible, especially since I was doing something a little less crazy. I wasn't getting into the arts world. I was was going into the personal finance world where there was definitely a lot more demand. There's definitely a lot more money to be made. And so that gave me some confidence. I also, you know, was friends with a lot of people who we started as bloggers back in the day. You know, I started my blog back in 2011, and so I got to see a lot of these people over time quit their job and start their own businesses. And so I had a lot of people around me that showed me it was possible. But the other, you know, on the kind of financial side of things, because again, personal finance, money was always something that was on my mind. And that's typically really what made me stay at a lot of jobs longer than I should have. Was just I was afraid to be unemployed or underemployed because I'd experienced um, that before and I didn't like it.
1: Was there anything... That you didn't know or didn't expect that you found out really quickly when you made that decision and and moved to make the switch.
2: Oh gosh! Well, I say one thing. Uh, I thought I'd have a lot more free time. I, I remember because I, I bought an annual pass to the art gallery in Toronto, thinking that I was going to go there like once a week during the day and have a lazy afternoon. No, hmm. I, I used it maybe once. <laughs> so that was a big shock. How? You know, there's there's a saying what was like, you know, I quit my nine to five so I could work 24 seven. Like that really was true.
1: <laughs> One of the real reasons we wanted to talk to you is obviously because you've been on both sides of this. You know, y- you've obviously done it yourself, but you're also as a financial advisor and planner working with people who make this switch. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: let's talk about what it's like right now. You know, your experience was seven years ago. If you had mm-hmm. to break down the current state of the job market in Canada, the economy right now, is this a good time to quit your job and pursue your passion here in fall
2: 2023? I'm not sure if there's ever... The perfect time. I think if you wait for that perfect time, it'll never come. But in terms of, you know, what's going on with like the overall like labor market, we're actually not in bad shape. I think a lot of people are, you know, depending on what kind of news you read or who you're following on social media, you know, yeah, things are expensive. Interest rates, inflation. Absolutely. Job markets actually not that bad were at pretty much the same level as 2019, so it was it was different scenario in 2020. But also too, even during like the height of the pandemic, I know so many people who quit their jobs or they were laid off, and so that it wasn't their choice. But they were able to start their own businesses and are just thriving now in 2023. And so you can't really necessarily you know choose the best time, but you you can kind of put some things in place to prepare yourself and to make sure that it's the right time for you.
1: How much does that vary by? industry because here we're talking about sam who is a programmer who wants to pursue a career in music production you know Mm -hmm. you mentioned the jump was easier for you because you're not moving to some creative endeavor not that what you do isn't creative but you're not you're not moving to a creative industry Mm -hmm. which listen i come from uh, the journalism industry you've been in that world too Mm -hmm. um It's not as easy as it might be in other industries for, say, uh, somebody who has been coding for a company and now wants to go write their own code.
2: Yeah, I mean, you really do have to look at, yeah, the, the industry you're jumping into and what are the possibilities, what kind of trajectories, what kind of earning potential is there, even in just the music industry because again, my my husband's been working in this industry for over 15 years now. Um, It depends on what role you want. So he's an engineer, but uh, I I know the the guest that you're speaking about um, is interested in the production Mm -hmm. that actually has a much higher ceiling in terms of earning potential. You know, you can be at the starting point and really not earn anything, but then if you hit it, you know, you get that one hit, you get that one client that really takes off. And my husband knows a number of these people you can do really, really well. And part of it is just you know, right time and, and right people. That's kind of the music industry. It's very competitive. It's very difficult. It's not just based on talent because there's a lot of talented people who never, you know, quote unquote, make it. So it's going to be a little bit more difficult to kind of maybe get to that same level you uh, dream of.
1: When you told your story, you know, the reason you made the leap is because you were frustrated at your job and you you didn't see any progression. If you look at it from the other point of view, you know, Sam tells us that she's been doing some production on the side already. When somebody has a side hustle, is there a threshold or what do you look at when you examine how you're doing at that side hustle to try to determine, I guess, if, you know, this might be sustainable, this might be scalable, you know, how do you try to get a sense of where you're at?
2: You know, one great thing she's doing is already doing it on the side. That is 100% the best way to go. Because first, you can determine: Is this something that I actually like? Is this something that I can actually see myself doing every single day? Is this something that I get excited about? For me, when I was making that call for myself on when should I hand my notice, should I wait another couple of months? Uh, I wanted to a have enough in savings to to keep me afloat for at least a year, and then also prove to myself that if I dedicated full time hours to this. I can make at least what I'm earning at my day job. Now, that's me. I don't know how much she's earning. She probably earns way more than what I used to earn at that old role. But I wanted to set myself up so it wasn't going to be like, oh, gosh, I'm only making 10 percent of what I want to. And so if I quit my day job and then dedicate full time hours, that means I still have to make up that 90 percent. So for me, it was it was like, can I earn half now? Then if I dedicate another half of my energy, my time, my resources, can I make up that other half? So that was my kind of benchmark, but everyone's different. And I think it's important definitely to have those realistic expectations. Look at, you know, what people starting in the industry, starting as a producer, what do they make their first year and kind of maybe use that as a, a potential kind of realistic benchmark as well.
1: Okay, well, let's talk about it practically then. So you've you've got a job. You're not in a rush to quit. How do you start planning and getting ready to chase this new career path, especially If it means you're going to switch to working for yourself.
2: If we want to start with kind of the financial side of things, a lot of people don't really know how that works technically and, and you know, especially with taxes and things like that. So the best thing that I would suggest is if you, especially if you can afford it, uh, try to find an accountant, maybe even a bookkeeper, or learn how to do all those things yourself. Like for me, I, I think maybe it maybe was a bit easier and also I was just curious about it. I did all of my own bookkeeping accounting, except for when I filed my taxes, I did have an accountant that helped me with that. But even so I had to do a lot of research on when did I have to register for GST HST and do I have to register for other provincial sales tax programs as well, depending on who I'm I'm working with you know what is the right program for bookkeeping is it QuickBooks or Freshbooks I used Freshbooks for a number of years as a sole proprietor it was very easy but then eventually too when I incorporated my business when it made uh, financial sense to do that I switched over to QuickBooks and also I just did not have the time to learn that program so I hired a bookkeeper and again those are different expenses and things like that so learning as much as you can about How to organize your finances. One book I recommend everyone reading is called Profit First. Um, It is American, but it's still a really great kind of system and how to organize, you know, different bank accounts for your business. You've got a profit account and a sales tax account and an income tax account. You have to separate that money so you don't accidentally spend that money. And you also want to make sure you have enough money to pay your business expenses and then your living expenses. You're going to pay yourself a salary and how that actually operates in terms of, you know, like your, your, your actual bookkeeping is, are you a sole proprietor or does it make the most sense to incorporate? When you're just starting out, sole proprietorship makes the most sense. Um, But once you're starting uh, to, to earn kind of a certain level, really above 100K, maybe 125K, and you're not pulling all of the, the money you're earning in your business out for your personal expenses, you can leave money within your corporation. It may make more um, tax sense to incorporate. But you have to you know, learn this stuff and understand how it works. And most people don't realize it. They just think, oh, I, you know, I'm excited to get the work done, to do the work. Being a business owner is maybe 70% of the work, 30% running the business, unless, again, you get to the point where you can outsource some of that stuff.
1: How much money should someone have in the bank before they make the leap?
2: Honestly, when I was talking to my husband about this, I'm like, if you were, you know, talking to someone who was thinking of doing this, how much money do you think they should put aside? Now, he was definitely very conservative about it. He's like three to five years. Wow. <laughs> Their living expenses. Now, Isn't that I think just in called him mom, RRSP? just called like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, I think he was just thinking, if you really are starting from scratch, have maybe no clients. He's like, you're not going to make any money for the first one or two years. Okay. And again, he sees this because he talks to young people. He talks to new people all the time that are breaking into the industry. And so he was just coming at it for more of that. Listen, here here's the worst case scenario. But, you know, ultimately, I think that's why it's so important to try to craft a plan. Start while you're still working at your day job to see How much am I bringing in from this, you know, kind of side hustle now? And how much do I feel like if I kind of really give all my effort and all my time into it, how much can I increase that to? Now, be very conservative. Like, honestly, don't expect, oh, I'm going to, you know, in year two, then I'll double it. Like, it takes a few years to really see where it's going to go. But that first year is tricky because you really don't know, you know, how much is everything going to cost? And also, too, you need to really look at your... Um, you know, what is your cost of living? If you are, have a really nice job, like a programmer, you're earning good money. You might have a higher cost of living than someone who is like working at a nonprofit, for example, because you have more disposable income likely. And so you may need to also take a look at, do I have to change my lifestyle and maybe find a cheaper place to live or get a roommate or, you know, shop a different grocery, whatever. Take a look at what is your living expenses and can we cut that down? So then again, we can kind of free up some more of that money that you've put aside to pay for all the things that you need. Like I definitely was super frugal that first year. Just because I didn't want to, you know, shoot myself in the foot and, like, oh, sorry, spent all my money on something instead of being able to use that money to, like, invest in my business.
1: When it's time, how do you leave your job? Should you try to get fired so you can get EI?
2: Oh, my God. No, that's a terrible (laughs) idea. I have to ask (laughs) these questions because people want to know. And people
1: want, listen, people wonder about. How to leave a job, especially if they don't like that job and especially if money is an issue.
2: Okay, so so first off, um, you know, depending on how you get fired, you may not be eligible for EI. So that's the number one thing. So if you get fired for misconduct, and there's a whole list of what that actually um can result in, it's you're not going to get uh, EI. Anyway. Yeah, not
1: fired with cause. Just make yourself redundant.
2: Even still, like EI isn't that much money. Yeah. And also too, when you are in the program, you have to prove that you're looking for another job. You can't start a business. They will. Oh, really? Like and be like, you're not eligible anymore. Yeah, you have to prove, because the whole point of EI is to help people. Oh, we're so sorry that you lost your job uh, mm-hmm. for, you know, uh, a reason that, you know, it wasn't your fault. But we want to make sure, you know, we're going to give you uh, this money to stay afloat until you find your next job. For the
1: record, we don't recommend fraud on this program. Um, but the, yeah. <laughs> the question was raised when when we brainstormed what people would want to know going into this. Mm-hmm. And so let's, mm-hmm. let's leave EI out of it. How should you leave your job?
2: Well, I don't know if I'd suggest doing what I did, which was give two months notice. Uh, part of that was I was hoping that, you know, at some point they'd be like, wait, don't go. They never did. And so I was awkwardly working there for two months, which is way too long. Honestly, just give two weeks. And I would say even if you because I believe me, I had so many fantasies of just, you know, burning that you know, office to the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, you get in your, your mind of like, oh, this is so unjust. I'm so unhappy. Da, da, da. You never want to burn a bridge because you just never know who could be a client in the future. I think for a little bit, actually, I started a podcast for the firm that I was working for. And then when I left, you know, obviously I'm like, all right, good luck. And I think they were looking for someone to edit and mix it. My husband did that for a while and he got Mm -hmm. that gig because it didn't burn the bridge. And so it's always good to leave on good terms. Leave with grace is the best thing that I could say.
1: Because you just mentioned not burning bridges and connections, once you have Made this jump. You've quit your job. You're in a new industry now, or at least trying to be. Um, How do you build new bridges starting from scratch?
2: We're originally from Vancouver, and so when we moved here 10 years ago, we we really didn't know anybody, so we were starting from scratch. And for him, he really he's like, I need to make connections because they aren't really translating from Vancouver to Toronto. It's a very different town here, and so he started looking online for like, are there meetups? And there was this one. I think it was called BS Fridays. just a small little meetup of sometimes musicians, sometimes people working in the industry. He went to that religiously. I think it was like every month or every couple months for years and years and years. And he made some great connections that way. And uh, especially if you're working in music, go to shows all the time. Like my husband still goes to shows, just to show his face, introduce yourself to the artist. Hey, do you have a producer? Or, you know, for him, it's like, hey, do you have a mixer? Right. Um, and, you know, there's lots of great like, forums and Facebook groups that are either specifically about gear or about like the industry that you can participate in, get to know these people. And then slowly, you know, you meet someone, you get to know them. Oh, they connect you to somebody else. And, you know, the more you do it, the easier it gets.
1: When you switch careers and you're in a new industry, you're not only looking to make connections, you are also your own boss, presumably for the first time. Whenever I think about doing that and potentially going freelance or any of the other things that journalists think of sometimes, I get terrified because I lack motivation and I need (laughs) I need a clear goal to go for. What Mm -hmm. do people need to understand about being their own boss when they've never done that before?
2: Yeah, I mean, you definitely do have to be a self-starter and self-motivated, which can be difficult. Like even for me, I'm part of if you Masterminds, and they're just like online. They're people I kn- I've known for years. They're you know bloggers we get together maybe once a month or every, you know, couple months just to talk about hey what are you working on you know just something like that it gives you that accountability. So find ways that you can keep yourself accountable and you know working for yourself especially can be very lonely. And so having those touch points those people that you can reach out to is probably one of the best things that you can do. But you really like you kind of already mentioned is really important to have goals. So for my husband and for me, we you know at the beginning of the year, you know, I've got a little spreadsheet, his is probably just a piece of paper. He's not really a spreadsheet guy. And I list all of the goals, big that are a little bit more lofty that I'd like to reach in the next couple years and then maybe even break it down even more into kind of timeline so okay we're going to do this in this quarter and then the next quarter we're going to focus on that etc etc maybe it's about okay I want to get two more clients where I want to raise my rates or I you know really want to you know get more plays on Spotify or whatever the case or I I want to make sure I make more connections uh, with labels and things like that and so you've got to get that really clear but you've got to understand like you are your own boss, you're the CEO, you're the CFO, you're the Cmo you're you're all of those. even if that's not natural to you, it will become natural over time.
1: well, let's just talk a little bit more about uh, the narrative that the algorithms serving us you know uh, I see the same stuff on the algorithm. Mm-hmm. I see the same quit your job, follow your heart, follow your passion, monetize your side hustle being totally celebrated and and although that's cool, I guess I want to ask, mm-hmm. is the culture pushing it in a way that could inspire some folks to to leave a really good job that they might need in a tough economy to do something mm-hmm. that maybe is always meant to be a passion or meant to be a side hustle? Um, oh, absolutely. Would you, yeah, I mean... Tell me about that.
2: <laughs> I mean, absolutely. And the unfortunate thing is. It's the same kind of a concept with, you know, when everyone's like, oh, you should invest in cryptocurrency. And you're like, oh, really? Why? Oh, I, I know someone who made a ton of money. You, what you don't hear is the people who lose money, right? You right. never hear people's sob stories about, oh, my God, I made the worst decision. You only hear the highlights. And so I think the same thing is like these people quitting their nine to fives that they hate and then starting their own business. If their business folds, you probably will never know because they're going to keep that real quiet. They
1: don't make TikToks about that. <laughs>
2: Right? You only see the highlight reel. And that's part of the annoying thing, too, where all this information is being pumped on social media. You just see the good parts. You don't see any of the realities, which is, yeah, like sending emails and, uh, you know, filming something at 10 p.m. because you have this weird de- deadline that you have to turn around this, you know, piece of content, you know, having a lot of panic, especially working in music, dealing with your clients can be very difficult, especially sure. artists. They are very emotional and they need a lot of handholding and they may send you a lot of texts in the middle of the night and things <laughs> like that. And so it's, it's, it's not glamorous at all. Like, again, I know so many people who have been doing this as long as me and you know, we all say the same. Thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's glamorized online, but it's nothing like that. Like there's sometimes it's boring and sometimes it just feels like a job. And that's the, that's the other kind of heartbreaking thing. I think a lot of people think, Oh, is this going to be great? You know, that saying that, uh, you know, if you do something you love, you never work a day in your life or something like that. It's uh, no, no, sometimes it feels like work. Um, but with that said, this is again, why it's so important to taste test that passion on the side to see, is this a hobby or is this a career? Cause those are very different things.
1: What about somebody who is not necessarily thinking of becoming their own boss, um, Mm -hmm. but is thinking of switching careers, hates what they're doing right now, wants to maybe get a whole different job for an Mm -hmm. employer in another industry, or maybe even go back to school, start over, learn a new trade? Um, Mm -hmm. Does your advice differ at all? for that person than it has so far? And I'm just asking because there's probably some people Mm -hmm. who've been listening to this being like, I do hate my job. I do want to follow my passion. (laughs) I can't be my own boss and handle all that myself.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you're thinking you're unhappy with your job and you're thinking of, you know, for example, maybe you're working in marketing and you're like, gosh, I want to be a therapist. That's really what I want to do. I didn't realize until now. I love psychology. Um, Start doing the work now. You know, if you already have a degree, we can start doing your master's, maybe online or part-time. It'll take you a little bit longer than quitting that job and doing school full-time. But I know a lot of people that are doing it right now. And so the the best thing I can say is don't wait. When you have that idea and then you feel really confident, certain about it, don't put it off too long because the longer you put it off, the harder it's going to be to justify doing it.
1: So what about people who are thinking of, taking a leap to do what they really want to do, but it involves perhaps a pretty heavy investment, whether that's, Mm -hmm. you know, going back to school and eating up their savings or taking out a large loan. And perhaps it's not necessarily for something that will end up making them more money. Right. Like if you Mm -hmm. want to go back to school and and learn how to be an engineer so you can increase your earning power. Great. Mm -hmm. But going back to school to learn how to be a social worker because it's your calling.
2: It goes back to are you okay earning less if it means that you get to do the thing that you know, makes you so freaking excited to do every day, then I think that's 100% worth it, because I've done a lot of different roles in my life. And and it's not always been about the money. Sometimes the most fulfilling things I've done are, are for no money or for free. So, um, but, you know, talking more about the financial side of hey, you need to go back to school, retrain. Um, I'm always the biggest fan of trying to save up in advance to pay for it. Because um, also sometimes these uh, you know institutions can give you a little discount if you're paying with cash. Um, with that said, sometimes it's not, not possible. Um, so see if, you know, instead of, again, do, getting a big loan and then quitting your job and doing it full time, is it possible to get a smaller loan, do it part time? It will take you a little bit longer, but in the long run it'll cost you a little bit less. And I say that just because when you are in school, it's intense. And it's stressful enough to have that other layer of I have no income coming in and I don't know when I'm going to actually get a job after school because sometimes it's not right away. If you can kind of lessen that stress, that was always good. Um, But also looking at different programs, for example... If you're going to go to, you know, a specific institution and you can take advantage of what's called the lifelong learning plan, that is if you have money in your RSP, you can participate in this program. You can take money out of your RSP tax free. It's yeah. basically you're taking a loan from your RSP that you have to pay back eventually, but that can help you pay for school. So that's one way to kind of unlock some money there. But in my view, I'm always the biggest fan of if you can save money in advance, pay for it in cash. But if you do have to do the, the loan route, do your research, find the the best loan for you that's, really flexible, um, that have, you know, really good kind of, uh, payment, uh, plans and things like that.
1: The last practical thing I want to ask you is about how to prepare for a change in income. So let's say you've saved whatever amount of money you've, you've calculated is enough. Um, how do you prepare yourself in terms of what you'll be spending and what you'll be doing and how you'll manage your money making that transition?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I've also had that experience when I, you know, I, I was working this job for three years at the this newspaper in Vancouver, and then we decided to, to both quit our jobs and move to Toronto. We had no jobs lined up or anything. And I, the first job I got, it was a big pay cut. And it felt like a personal failure again because I'm like, I can't believe I'm going almost back in time with my money. Like, I thought I was past the stage and I can't believe now I'm earning what I used to earn five years ago. I feel like, oh, I can't believe this. Mm. Guess what? Everything's temporary. Nothing lasts forever. And so... For me, I just like got that ego out of there. I'm like, listen, we're going to work this job until we find something better. Um, and we're going to use our budget. We're going to track our spending. We're going to track everything so we know where our money is, is coming in, co- going out. And, you know, we're going to have to make some sacrifices if your circumstances change, you need to change something as well. Um, and, you know, again, it was very difficult for me to do that, especially when I saw all my other friends, you know, thriving in the careers and earning crazy money and, and buying homes and stuff like that. It's like, oh, my gosh. But now I look back and I'm like, it's I'm glad I had to go through that. I learned a lot. It, it made me really good at budgeting and figuring out, you know, what I should cut and, and even to like, how can I make some extra money on the side or what have you? And so it's possible. It's not easy, but it's it's worth it in the end.
1: Very last question, I promise. If somebody has listened to this entire interview and feels like they might be ready to do it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what are the things they need to think through in their head first? Like, how do they, mm. uh, when will they know it's a yes?
2: hmm you, you know what you want to do. You've made a plan for how you're going to make it happen. And I'm talking like specific detailed plan, not just a loosey-goosey plan. Because honestly, when I quit, I really didn't have a very structured plan. That's one of my regrets. I probably could have had a better year and a lot less stress and worked a lot less if I had a, a better uh, plan ahead. So put yourself in the best position to thrive and succeed if you're in this mode of scarcity where you're worried about money um, not having enough you are not in a position that you want to will want to like invest in yourself or your business or take chances and risks that may actually help you earn money down the road for example you know I've invested in you know, a couple coaches here and there, a couple, you know, uh, courses to kind of help me learn something so I could then use that information to, you know, offer a service or a product that I can sell and earn money. I needed money to make that happen. So if I wasn't in a financial position where I felt comfortable investing in those, you know, that I would have really missed out. So putting yourself in a position where you can be more of that abundance and open and 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 can take risks comfortably is the best thing that you can possibly do for yourself.
1: Jessica, thank you for this.
2: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks again to Jessica for the career change guidance, especially for those looking to go freelance or those looking to start their own business. Now, before you start making any sudden career moves, if you want to do that, here's what you do. Get to know this new industry before you get into it. Now, if you're passionate enough to make this decision to listen to this whole podcast about it, then I would hope that you're doing this already. But still, use some of your free nights and weekends to take a class, watch YouTube videos or TikTok channels geared towards those already in this new industry, and look. watch out for upcoming events and conferences and gatherings where you can meet people already established. This is like you're a rookie again, so you gotta go network. Next, when you've got the time, start building a portfolio, regardless of what you're looking to get into. Flower arrangements, classic car restoration, event photography. In order to start landing clients, you're going to need to show them that you can already do this work. You also need to create a social presence where they can find you. Once you've got that and you're sure that you really want to do this, start saving, make a plan. And if putting aside a couple of years worth of income just isn't feasible for many of us, it's not, aim for at least six months before you quit. As well as making those contributions, make sure that you set some clear goals. What do you want to learn and accomplish before you quit your job and make the leap? How much do you realistically plan to make? What do you need to sacrifice to live on that realistic salary? You need to take stock. your potential future earnings, and you need to consider how that's going to change your lifestyle and even your day-to-day spending. And finally, listen, this isn't one of those uh, influencer podcasts where I'm going to tell you, monetize it all, follow your dreams, all of that. Some of us are destined to switch careers. Some of us are destined to switch companies. Some of us are destined to have a side hustle that forever remains a side hustle knowing that difference might save you a lot of money and a lot of heartbreak. If you thought what you heard from Jessica was really valuable, you can hear a lot more of her insights on her show, The More Money Podcast, or you can get more in-depth by taking one of her personal finance classes at jessicamorehouse.com. Thanks to Sam, of course, for calling into the show and sharing your problem and your passion. If you, like Sam, have a money problem, we want to hear from you. You can email us at hello at itepod.ca, or you can call us and leave us a voicemail. The number is 416-935-5935. We don't need your real name. We do need your real numbers, real fears, real plans, real questions, all of that. You can find us on social media. We're on Instagram and TikTok at In This Economy Pod. And if you like this show, if you want more of this show, if you want to share us with anybody, we would love that. The best way to help us out is by rating, reviewing, sharing, subscribing, following, whatever your favourite podcast app asks you to do. I'm your host and your executive producer, Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This episode was written and produced by Ali Graham. The sound design was done by Robin Edgar. Story editing by Stephanie Phillips. Mary Jubrin is our digital editor. Diana Kay is our manager of business development. And together, we are the Frequency Podcast Network. Thank you again for listening. We'll talk to you next week on In This Economy.